Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. On this podcast, Rob and I discuss the books we're reading for the first time and share our thoughts and notes with each other. If this is your first time listening, we suggest you read Homeland, book one in the, in the Dritzt do Urden series, chapters 14 through 21, before listening to this episode. That way you can follow along with our conversation. I think there's housekeeping. There is housekeeping. There is. There is. Okay. Previously on Death Readers. We were having a discussion about dun, dun. the. <laughs> we were having a discussion about the nature of evil in uh, Menzo Barazanan. So close. <laughs> I don't even fucking care anymore. Um, and whether they consider themselves evil, or if they, like most realistic people, consider themselves good and have a skewed version of the world around them, and because they think of themselves as good, they consider the uh, upstairs people evil. And I thought the author was trying to do both by having them cite their enemies as evil, but also call it, you know, referring to themselves as evil. And so I think I found I found the section I was talking about. We can discuss if you think it is if I'm right or not. Go for it. I will bear no more children. Malice growled in response. Every member of this family is important if we are to gain prominence in the city secretly. Malice hoped for another gain in converting Dritz to the evil ways of the drow. And then she hated Zachar Nafaran as much as she desired him, and turning Dritz into a drow warrior, a true heartless drow warrior, would just distress the weapons master greatly. So that was that was the part where it felt like they consider evil a way of being, and a, not necessarily a positive thing, but what they're going for, and yet also labeling enemies as evil, and that... I don't think so. With me. Okay. Uh, I think it's a, a case of bad writing because okay. what you read when I hear it sounds like it sounds like a, a jumbled mess of third person omniscient and woven with the with like the first person dialogue. Yeah. Okay. That's, so I think that when, I mean, when he says they're evil ways, I think that's the author or like Dridst commenting on the ways that he's not going to lay out for you again but in general he would refer to as their evil ways and i figured that was going to be your argument but there it is no, my only other argument not necessarily in the same vein but on the subject would be that um D used to have this concept of like uh alignment mm -hmm. and the alignment was would range from like uh, lawful good to chaotic evil right and in between you'd have variants variations of the two and then they, they would branch out into like neutral evil true neutral true evil stuff like that yeah and so like it's it's also entirely possible that when this book was written that was more of a core aspect of dungeons and dragons than it is now mm -hmm. and so that description of that that use of that word specifically could have been more of a suggestion to that aspect of the game mechanics than any sort of matron malice commenting on her own society okay because i think that's another thing about this world we have to remember is that there are like there are societies in it that do lust for and and pursue you know evil things sure uh and and i'm sure plenty of dungeons and dragons campaigns have been sabotaged by philosophical 
arguments about what the nature of good and evil are and who gets who gets to be the arbiter of those definitions um and aren't they all based on subjective desires anyway or value systems and and that's 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 that is exactly the problem that right good and evil are subjective and it's rare to come across uh, I, I I've found it rare to come across a, a narrative where objective evil is done well, mm-hmm. where like everyone, including the evil people, agree that they are evil. Time Bandits, I think, is one of the only ones. That's well, yeah, not that's a great example. Yeah, um, because he's I mean he's basically a personification of Satan. But but even even going another step farther outside of, I I, I mean that's sort of a a begs the question scenario because you you need the only thing I've ever seen being objectively evil is a creature of evil, a devil, a Satan, a, you know, supreme evil being, which I don't know, calls itself into being. And it's just kind of ridiculous when you think about it, but yes, that does work. Yeah. And I think that like, this is, I think this one's using uh, this example of the drought society is trying to communicate that their value system for their society uh, relies on behaviors and things that we, the audience would consider evil, Uh but, and, and maybe even the drow do to some extent consider them evil, but mainly they just consider them advantageous. They consider them virtuous because they lead to the results they want. Okay. And I, and after I mean, we'll get there, but after, especially reading these chapters, I feel like that's more fleshed out for me at least. And so this may be like this housekeeping may only be answerable because I just finished reading these chapters. Fair Fair enough. Um, So we may not have even been able to understand it at the end of the last episode, unless we had prior knowledge of some kind. Okay. Um, Any more housekeeping? I don't believe so. I believe we should begin uh, with chapter 14, proper respect. All right, so I'm going to get into this summary. Uh, Lay it out. Drid's Academy class patrols the caverns of the Underdark as part of their schooling. Their practice is interrupted with news that monsters have captured a princess of a drow house and have taken her away into the Underdark's maze of caverns. Drid's and his classmates pursue and find the monsters, slaying them, but the child is killed. It becomes clear that the child was not royalty at all, not even female, It was some street urchin child of a lower house, presumed to be sacrificed for the express purpose of this exercise. Drizzt confronts his brother, Dinan, about the sacrifice and then learns the truth about the the events on the night he was born. Drizzt is shaken to his core. Once again, many, I think this has happened quite a few times where he, we're supposed to be, we're, we as the audience are supposed to be shocked by the things Drizzt did, so shocked by. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I have a specific note on that, so I'll say it's the equivalent of Harry uh, mouth and gape at some kind of new kind of magic. Yeah. I think it might be a little worse. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, just because, like, there's some whimsy in Harry Potter stuff. Like, you could you could imagine that the gaping is because he's just sort of, like, he's... I never conceived of magic being used that way. Right. Or like, wow, how wonderful. How wonderful this thing I'm seeing now is. And, sure. and how and how beautiful, maybe. I don't remember every example, but it's possible. This is always like, 
it's almost like every time Dritz is like, oh no, I couldn't believe this world could be this evil. And it's like, man, have you ever seen anything good in this world besides Zack? Besides your relationship with him? Has anything ever been good? I mean, I feel like I addressed this last time, but uh, I'm glad you're on board now. <laughs> uh, I have a couple notes in this chapter. Okay, I, I've got a couple notes too. Uh, I'll go with my first one because it's not particularly. I'm going to go with my first plot. one first. Well, I'm, but first I'm going to do mine. No, first. no, 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 because mine's useless. Mine, well, mine I, is completely I bet, stupid. I bet yours mine is a piece of crap. No, I bet yours has some sort of relevance, some sort of like insight. You know what? You know what? Why don't you do yours first? I am going to because it's good just trash. I wanted you to. Uh, last episode, I questioned whether or not Drow's of Menzo Berenzan, which is how you pronounce it, had princes or princesses, and this chapter announces that they do. Clarifies that they do. So, there you go. That's my note. What is your note? Well, that's actually a pretty great insight, and uh, I'm glad you were able to bring that back into something we spoke about before. It's really connecting those threads. It's great. No, it was um, trash. My note, uh, they talk about some Drow's, the cruel edge of their sword. Of their adamantine blade. And I just wonder, do you think that's sharper than a keen edge? Or is it just, uh, is it independent? Or is it is it dependent on the artificer's intent? What, like, are, the two, what are the two words I'm trying to... Uh, cruel mm-hmm. edge and keen edge. Like, okay, did you ever see that movie, um, Like Water for Chocolate? No. Well, it's a Spanish. I think it's, no, it's a Mexican film. All about cooking and sort of, uh, what's that word for... The magical realism film. Okay. And in that, uh, they kind of maintain that how, how the cook feels when they're cooking will will infuse the food with that emotion. So if they're sad, I mean, it goes to extremes, but if they're sad, then the people who eat it will become sad. And if they're happy or if they're, you know, <laughs> kind of, you know Horny? what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, then people will get that way too. Gross. So I'm I'm wondering if the person forging the sword, if they're in a grumpy, evil, mean mood, uh, then the sword gets a cruel edge. But if they're in a thoughtful and hmm, you know, introspective mood, mood, then the sword the sword will get a keen edge. It's an interesting question because I would always assume that that would have more to do with the intent of the wielder more than the intent of the forger. Oh, so like the idea that the drow themselves, when they use these weapons, use them cruelly. They don't use them keenly. Maybe, but they don't like if you called it an unforgiving blade. That's the blade, though, not the edge of the blade or an unforgiving edge. Like, I mean, what's the difference? Um, One's just the sharpie mm-hmm. endpoint mm-hmm. and one's the whole thing. Right. But if you didn't use the the blade, if you used like the flat Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be unforgiving. It would forgive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> well, I think we've raised more questions then. <laughs> no, I think I nailed all of them. <laughs> and um, uh, <sighs> I, I, I like I like the idea of oh, that you were bringing up that I don't want to trample over. Mm-hmm. I, I, because I mean, I grew up with, I mean, I now, now I have in this weird question where like, uh, you, you grew up with your parents telling you they put emotions into food, right? No, really? No, that was a pretty new concept when, when I saw the movie, like water for chocolate. Huh? Well, that, that makes more sense for me then. Okay. Um, so that's something that you grew up with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not like in that way of like, it's magic, but more like, you know, like, uh. 
I mean, my mom would like, she would often give me food and then, and then like tell me she made it with love kind of thing. And, and be like, and and it would be this nice thing and it made me feel good. Oh, that's sweet. That never happened to you? I mean, I've heard the term made with love, but no one ever like, and, and, and in fact, or like she, like, I remember one day I did really well at school, which was hard for me because I talked out a lot and got a lot of naughty notes home. But one day I did really good to the point where the teacher called my mom about it and she made me peanut butter cookies with love. And I came home and I'm like, Ugh, I like chocolate chip. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I felt, I still feel like shit about that in retrospect. Have you apologized for it? Oh, I think I have. And she's good. like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But I'm like, wow. mm, doesn't matter. Wow. I feel like crap. Yeah, I uh, I have I've had those with with parents before, not 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 my parents, just random people who I know are parents. Um, sure. But uh, no, my mom like would often tell me that she was like you know like, not not like a guilt trippy thing, but I I mean I don't know how else to describe it because it, when you describe it, when I describe it, it has to kind of sound like she's like pointing it out. Right. But at the same time, like, no, it was it's, never it's like, like a, that. It was like no. a sweet. It was like a sweet addendum. Yeah. Um, it's like a verbal hug. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Your parents loved you. I Good think it, for you. Well, I mean, it it does sound a little manipulative, not in like a, in a malicious way, but like in a sort of like, it's like saying, "I want you to think about how much I love you when you eat this, and when you see this, I want you to remember that, and I think mean, about it." Which again, I don't mean it as a malicious thing. It's just like when I when I look back on what kind of effect it had on me, that's kind of it. Like if my mom said I made okay. this cake for you with love, then if I get back to get a second slice, I would probably think my mom made this with love, and then that would reinforce like a bond. Mm-hmm. But I also my my mom. I'm not sure how strongly she feels about this, but like we we do have that kind of like subdued, but present hispanic spanish like vein of culture that like got washed out by white people but like mm-hmm. is it's still it was still that thing where, like it still persists like there's this little vein that every once in a while mm-hmm. pops up but because i'm not actually connected to the real aspects of the culture it's hard to know it before it's i learned that it has happened so like right. I'm, I'm I'm very pretty sensitive to that. So like it, I, it sounds like I mean using only the evidence of you insisting that a Spanish film talked about this concept. I mean, what more evidence do I need? A, a quinceañera, right? Uh, <laughs> unless you want to unless you want to talk about the film Abre, uh, Abre los Ojos, which is remade as Vanilla Sky, both with Penelope Cruz, but we, I prefer hmm. the first one. Both about chocolate too. No, that's a different that's a different movie. Chocolate. Oh, I hate that movie. That movie sucks. It's fucking Pollyanna with Chocolate Shop. Vanilla Vanilla Sky is the Jason Lee, Tom Cruise one. Uh, it's just Tom Cruise. Uh, I don't remember. I, I never saw it because I preferred oh. the original. Okay. And I and I got the cloud of going around obnoxiously going, oh, I liked it when it was in Spanish. <laughs> and then no one talked to me. I remember watching uh, Itumami Tambien like when it came out on like DVD mm-hmm. with a friend with like a, um, a a close male friend of mine and being like, did you watch it with his mom? No, we watched, just watched it together, like in okay. his parents' house, but just together. And I remember looking at me like, what are we, what are we, what was this? What's going on here, buddy? <laughs> what was this movie? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like um, the time uh, we went to a double feature at the drive-in and the second with my, like my mom and my little brothers. And the second movie was the accused. Not familiar. 
Is it like okay. The Graduate? No, it's like Jodie Foster gets famously attacked on a pinball machine. Oh, like Indiana Jones. Yes. Oh. That's where that came from. Right. Yes. Gross. Yes. Gross. Um, yes. And that's why I think it's a cruel edge. <laughs> right it back around. Anyway, next... I don't want I don't want to I don't want to skip over this thing. I mean, I don't want to get like too derailed from the thing we were talking about, which was actually the concept of putting emotions into forging weapons and whether or not that would have an effect on them. I, I think that's a really clever idea. I think it's an interesting idea. Um, I don't know. I don't think that's part of what's happening here. Oh, no, certainly not. It just it just made me I, I it just occurred. It's one of those things. That just I like, like it. Like, Cruel edge. I've heard of keen edge. I've heard of other kinds of edges. Huh? Why would you use one, not another? Is it because you're writing about bad guys or because of something else? And just have a, a fun little uh, cul-de-sac in my brain. I think that would be fun to have like a character who's like a uh, like a D&D character who is a uh, maybe maybe I don't I, there's no like class that's just like forger. You're just a forger. It's always like something else. Mm-hmm. And then you can take class like you can take ranks in like some sort of smithing mm-hmm. or like masonry. If you want to make stone things, iron working, stuff like that. But it'd be cool if you were like a cleric or a wizard or like something that. I think there are certain clerics that are like specifically weapons clerics yeah. who, and I, it would be cool to like have an aspect of that or maybe a subclass that like deliberately, like part of their thing is they put like emotions, like they're uh, like the, an empathic uh, Smith or something like that. Empathy, no, empathy Smith. That's great. And you know, they got kicked out of forge school because they couldn't control their emotions and they kept making vicious weapons. Or they kept learn to master like, it before they make another weapon. Or what if they made envious weapons? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's, that sounds like a fun like avenue. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, uh, I'm done with uh, talking about that subject now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, I got a uh, uh, about life in the academy. I've got a note here. Um, this is the section where they're saying only 22 of the original 25 in Dritz's class remain. One had been dismissed and subsequently executed for a foiled assassination attempt on a high-ranking student. A second had been killed in the practice arena. And a third had died in his bunk of natural causes. For a dagger in the heart quite naturally ends one's life. It's the first and only joke in the book. Uh, (laughs) I don't actually bring it up for that. I bring it up for the fact that it was underlined by many other people who read the Kindle version. 484 highlighters. So 484 people found that just too thigh-smackingly funny to not underline. I, lo- I love how much resentment you have for others <laughs> and and the things that they enjoy. Uh, I mean, I'll, I have it, too. I'm glad. I'm glad that you love that. Hey, man, I have it, too. It's just, like, it's funny. To, I, I, my book doesn't have that. My book doesn't have these, like, triggers that, like, are these little <laughs> landmines in them. I mean, you're reading the same book I am, so I think it does. I think you're able to navigate the minefield I mean, better than I. No, you're you're just tied into a whole bunch of other people's consciousnesses while you read it, and then you get infuriated by them. I get infuriated by so much. Um, my only other note in this chapter, we've kind of already gone over, but I'll go over it again here, and we can probably just touch back on it every time it comes up again, but just this idea that I don't understand why Drizzt is still so shaken by the revelations that his family is just as malicious or evil if you will as any other drow house um it it certainly feels like by this point he should have gotten it um yes and and i guess the problem i have is that 
if it if these horrible sequences of horrible revelations about how awful they are were tempered with pe- pleasant memories of more than one of them. Yes. Maybe I would understand why he was having such a hard time over and over, but it's... Exactly. If, if they could have easily easily dealt with this if that if the sister who raised him was for whatever reason nice and that became his first idea of drow culture and he came back to what this culture keeps getting worse and worse and every time I think I've hit rock bottom it gets worse that would make sense. But they don't do that. No. And it does it takes it takes me out of the story a little bit. I mean, the only thing I'll say is that, like, I don't know about you, but I certainly am empathizing with Drizzt's desire to leave this horrible place. And I... (laughs) Again, last episode. Right, right. (laughs) But, like, I think that... I I, I mean, I think that's intentional. Um, It just also, like, I think it's happening too early. Like, I wish wish that... Like, these, these events, these these inciting incidents, they're so awful that especially the one that comes at the end of this, these chapters is, is uh, it's so awful. You know, you'd expect, you'd expect to have some sort of uh, re- understanding of why he isn't just killing himself or giving in. Right. Uh, and I don't have any of that. Right. That's it for me on this chapter. Do you have another one in this chapter? Sure do. Um, let me, let me read my note. Cause I do have another highlight section. I'm not sure what I wrote about it. I'm not sure. Sh- you know what? Let's just let's just read along and see if it, what I wrote makes sense. Here's the highlight. Dritzt couldn't care about any of those details at the at that horrible critical moment. This is when he's fighting the uh, the hook hands to try to save the child. Dritzt couldn't care about any of those details at that horrible critical moment. His fears for the child outweighed any concern for the danger looming before him. He was a drow warrior, a fighter trained and outfitted for battle, while the child was helpless and defenseless. My note is. It's like Bobby keeps trying to sell me on how cool Dritzt is instead of just letting him be cool. Yeah, I can see that. I I read that more as like Dritzt's internal monologue a little bit. Like, that's how he is thinking. Not like I, we are supposed to buy this, but this is how he is seeing himself. I think, and looking back on this, I don't think what I wrote necessarily fits that passage. I think it's more that's where it came to a head. Sure. And I wrote it down. I, yeah, right. I, I don't think it has anything specifically to do with that. Um, oh. Yeah, it's more bad writing. I don't need to read that. Okay, I'll read that. <laughs> uh, again, fighting the hook hands. I'm going to skip a whole bunch. But basically, rage burned in Dritz's eyes so blatantly that even the stupid hook horror, sorry, hook horror, hook horror knew that its life was soon to end. Blah, 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 blah. Rage replaced determination in Dritz's eyes. I'm like, you already said rage burned there. What the hell? <laughs> Switch to determination, Bobby, before you say that Rage replaced it. Go. That just bugged me. Okay. Um, oh, and then back to what you were saying, because there's another passage saying Dritz held out hope that his own family was above that sort of murderous deception. You're right. He's stupid. Yeah. Or I mean, I, I, I think I think without this is the unfortunate part about the, it, it kind of just not being the best writing, which, mm. again, is like saying how come Subway's food is not great. It's it's without the the elements that help us understand and the examples of, of incidences where he has reason to believe his family is good. This persistence of his reluctance to accept how awful they are can otherwise only be attributed to idiocy. 
Right. And he doesn't, he's not written, is he stupid? I was, that was. No, it's, he's not. It, no, sarcastic. No. He's not written like he's stupid, but with, in the absence of, of, of reason. Right. To believe these things in the absence of explanation, in the absence of examples. It, uh, it's like, it's kind of like what you said last time about like, whatever is left must remain. And all I have is he's an idiot. <laughs> And he may be like it may it may be again we talk, I talked about this a little bit last episode I don't know at which age it drow mature emotionally or mentally sure uh, they live for hundreds and hundreds of years who fucking knows like what we're supposed to expect out of his development here what I do but know I, <laughs> is that he seems dumb but I, feel, I also feel like if that were germane to the development of a drought needs to be addressed at some point so i know that right i have that frame of reference or i mean maybe we're just discounting too readily how much drist is connected to zach's perspective on life maybe but at 53 percent away into the book i think i'm going to need a little bit more or yeah i think you yeah i mean i'm not disagreeing i'm just saying that like i think I'm I'm trying to leave open the opportunity for someone to be to disagree with us and me essentially say I think they're okay to do that without feeling like it's defensive, um, because I I think it's possible that that's happening. But all I can say is that when I read this book, I did not find those things. <laughs> anyway, uh, do you have any more in that chapter? I do not. Well, then that brings us to chapter fifteen. On the dark side. Summary time. In this chapter, Dritz trains under Massage and meets Alton briefly before the faceless master tries to kill the young drow with bolts of lightning from a magic wand. Massage intervenes and saves Dritz's life, parentheses, or perhaps Alton's life? With the help of Guinevere, the panther, Dritz is immediately taken with the cat and spends the remaining pages of this chapter studying her. Meanwhile, Alton and Massage continue to plot Drith's murder. I don't have any uh, notes in this chapter. I'm just I'm just dealing with how much I'm enjoying this. I'm just sitting here enjoying this so much right now. I just want to I just want to revel in it before you say anything. I just want to stew in it. I just want to fucking soak in this moment. Ooh. Delicious. It's like a hot, it's like a, it's like a, uh, a hot spring. I'm just in it. It's just fucking, oh, I'm full of energy now. Just say it. Say it. Guinevere? <laughs> that cat is fucking named Gunweaver, and I'm calling it Gunweaver. It's not called Gunweaver. That it's is fucking so Gunweaver. obviously Guinevere. G-U-E-N-H-W-Y-V-A-R? What? G-U? G-U-E-N-H-W-Y-V-A-R. No. That's not how the cat's name is spelled. That's right. Well, let me, let me highlight it for you. <laughs> well, okay. That I see what you're reading. I'm going to show you, I guess, I can spell it for you because I don't have it, like, right in front of me. Because I, what, what, what chapter is that in? I mean, it's a lot more in the later chapters. Well, I'm not this in one. Those. I'm trying to hold on, hold on. This one is well. It's chapter fifteen, <laughs> and towards the end of that, uh, and towards the end of chapter fifteen, because that's the you know 
chapter we're discussing. Mm-hmm. Mine says page 170. I doubt that's going to be yours. No, it's not. It looks like Guhin Weaver. So I'm calling him Gunweaver. <laughs> Hopefully you'll cut out a lot of this. Here it is. Oh. Uh, this is not helpful for you, I'm sure. It should be somewhere in there. It looks like... I mean, it's blurry, but it looks like G-U-E-N. No, there's man, no that's... You? No, there's no U. Um... Oh, wait. That's weird. It is spelled that way there. Whoa! Must be the Mandela effect. That's bizarre. Hold on. Where yeah. else is this name? Is, is that when Massage is saying it? Yeah. So maybe he's saying it differently. I, I'm. Hold on. Yep. Oh, no, you're right. <sighs> oh, wow, look at that. I still say it's Guinevere. It's Gunweaver. Think it, look at it. Gwen Huivar. Gwen Weaver. It's, it's Guinevere. I'm telling you, it's Guinevere. That, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is something that I... Did I talk about this last episode? I don't know. The thing about the whole pronunciation of Drit's name? No. I, I okay. So. so, this is this is a good time to bring this up. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Something that really pissed me off that I learned... Uh, why am I saying it like that? It didn't really piss me off. I just found it. I found it obnoxious. Um, no, no, no. Really this is you off. this is this is uh, some sort of social media thing we're doing. This podcasting. This is entertainment. So I got to really amp it up. I got to take the kernel of an emotion that is essentially meaningless and worthless, and I got to amp it up to become the driving force of the rest of my life. Something so upsetting. That it will spur other people who can use their empathy to relate to my emotions to accept those emotions as their own. I have to be that powerful in order to drive our massive listeners, the massive number of listeners we have, not just the massive ones, but the massive numbers of listeners we have to the streets to take up my causes through my Mm. charisma and my uh, joie de vivre. I, I went out and I, I tried to learn how to pronounce the author's last name. And I found a YouTube video that said, a Salvatore. And I was like, man, I still feel weird saying that. And I thought, oh, I'll know what I'll do. I'll find an interview with him where someone else refers to him by name. And he will have the opportunity to say, you, you nailed it. Or nothing, which means you nailed it. Or he'll go, no, 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 it's pronounced this. And I was like, I fucking, I got this. I know how to learn how to pronounce things. So I looked it up and I found an interview where he talks about pronunciations and I was like, crazy. And so I open it and he's talking about how to say Dritz. And when I open it, I find out that Bob R.A. Salvatore is like this, (laughs) he's like this, like some sort of like dude from New Jersey. (laughs) He has this like hilarious, like, I mean, maybe it's like New York. I don't know accents well enough, but it's somewhere in that area. Uh, accent and he's like yeah you know like uh people say is it drizzed is it drizzita is it drizzist and you know i say i say uh meh i don't i don't fucking care here's why <laughs> here's why i like to go around i pronounce it drizzed people like hey bobby salvatore he said drizzed it must be drizzed you know what i do A week later different show I go, hey, it's just, and then people listen to that and they go, fucking hey. 
Bobby Salvatore. You know what he did? Just that's how you say the kid's the cat's name. So that no no the kid's name the cat Guinevere. But and he says, "Ain't you know why I do this?" And the, the guy interviewed him says, "Uh, no. Were, were you some sort of mook?" And then and then Bobby says, "Uh, no. Is what it is. You get." Look at look at look at my demographics. All right, boys in high school—that's who love me. So you get one 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 kid in high school talking to his friend about these books, and he says, "Hey, Drizzt, my favorite character. I love him. He's amazing. Best friend of this kid. Looks at him dead in the eye, says, "Who the fuck is Drizzt? Is Drizzt?" And the first kid says, what the fuck are you talking about? It's Drizzt. And the kid says, you're, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> it's Drizzt. And then, here's what happens. This is why I do it for. No, third kid walks up. Says, what are, you, what are you two motherfuckers talking about? And they go, and he says, who, who is this Drizzt? Drizzt? What are you fucking talking about? You know what? They're talking about me. That's all that matters. I got three kids talking about Bobby Salvatore because they can't pronounce my character's names. I win. And I heard this interview and I thought, fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) That guy fucking sucks. That's a shitty way to be an author. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, and, it is. I agree with you. <laughs> so I don't give up. I really don't. After that, I was going to fight so hard for Guinevere and shit because it felt, it seems obvious to me. Mm-hmm. But um, but then he made this whole thing about like how he doesn't care. And it's what's more important to him is like using like weird mispronounced the opportunity to be mispronounced as a jump off point for like word of notoriety. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like. Fuck that. <laughs> that's that's some like funky flashman hack shit. Like I don't that sucks. Nah. Not into it. Nah. No way, brah. Um but uh so I would love a uh, 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 a more naive version of me, a more pure form of me would have fought tooth and nail for that pronunciation. That tooth is how claw, I would refer to her. Even? No, Nathan nail. Also cuz I like I I don't know if you can tell, but I tend to like the more elegant pronunciation of these words. Like, I feel like I, I, I like Menzo Berenzan has a lot better ring to it than Menzo Berenzavan or whatever. Um, man, man, Manza Baranza. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, so can we talk yet about why you know about this cat? Everybody knows about this cat. I, I don't know about this cat. Because people just talk about it. It's on the cover of the fucking book, bro. Okay, but you, you like, you knew about this cat. Like you, you're like, you're like, man, it's on the book cover. It's a cat. <sighs> you don't put things on the cover of the book unless it's in the book. Okay. Also, I knew that um, through other things that aren't in any of the books, I I knew that Dred Stewarden has a cat like thing. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, 
And then my only other note was, if this panther doesn't talk, I'm going to be very disappointed. And I think that's going to be uh, what's going to happen, because so far I've not seen any talking panther. Yeah, I don't think Guinevere talks. But if Gunweaver starts talking, I'm going to be so happy. That that's all my notes. Something. That's all my notes. Yeah, let's get the fuck out of this chapter. That brings us to... Chapter 16, Sacrilege. All right. Ready for the summary? Yep. It's Driz's last day in the Academy, which turns out to be a setup for a ceremonial demonic orgy. <laughs> Literally. Not like Literally. A, not not like orgy in the way that people describe like a madcap energetic like romp not romp yeah this is like <laughs> literally like all all the, the students graduate by fucking, sexification yeah uh, a big a big pile of sex um Drizzt, being a, being a punk bitch rejects participating in the orgy and leaves the chamber his sister Vierna follows him and encourages him to return he rejects her offer. She slaps him multiple times and then guides him off campus deep into the caverns of the Underdark, where she shows him what will happen to Drow, what happens to Drow who reject Lolf. They become Driders, grotesque Drow spider hybrids that look like a spi- like spider centaurs. Oh, I just got that. Drow, spider, Drider. Huh. Then, Vierna abandoned Dritz to be murdered by the Driders. He barely survives the attack before his sister returns with their mother to rescue him. I didn't put it in here, but I do think it's worth noting that I, I, I don't think I misread this. I think his sister basically tries to fuck him for a brief I've, sentence. I I feel, I, I think you're right. I think there was a, she wasn't just offering him to come back. She was offering him her. It was like, right. Ugh. Okay. Should we get into this chapter? Uh, I have a note, I guess. So, sure. What's your a note? Or is your notes? My a note is the same shit I was talking about a, a couple chapters ago. This at some point, Drizzt laments that he doesn't understand Drow society. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, I, I think there's a part of it that, again, feels like, I think this is purposeful. He's, I I, I, I think we are supposed to uh, relate to him having trouble understanding why the society works the way it does. Yes. I, I, I have a similar note. I, I wrote, uh, if, you're co- if you have a culture that doesn't teach love, why would you know what it is to know the culture doesn't teach it? Right. So all you know is being alive. Right. Early on in the chapter, they, they there's a comment about uh, every day Dritz had been subjected to endless eulogies. And I wrote, I feel you, man. <laughs> um, oh. Hashtag 2020, 2021. <laughs> uh, no, I was talking about the book. Oh, I was talking about all the people who have died this year. Oh, I just meant this book is like endless eulogies describing things. Uh, I was engaged in Dritz eschewing the spider orgy until he was rescued by Matron Malice, who stated, who started in with that, you will learn your place shit. And I'm like, God damn, here was another point. I think I even talked about this later, but here was another point where he could have gone off and, and he, he literally spit to defy the queen, the spider god, whatever. And this could have cast him out and got, it, got him started on the road to his interesting story. And nope, back into it. I'm like, come on. <laughs> How many times has he almost escaped before they keep pulling him back in? Yeah, like the Godfather. Like the Godfather, yeah. That's it. That's all I got. It, it was, it was, I, I will say, it was vaguely engaging. I was, this is the first chapter I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, because cause even the foreshadowing when they had the, uh, the, the, the drow woman who is going to become a, a, a matron or, or whatever, master of the school, 
and they summon up the demon. I'm like, this is getting creepy. And that was well done because mm-hmm. I'm like, this isn't like a sex thing, is it? Because that's the vibe I'm getting. Oh, shit, it is. And then, you know, Dritz was like, gross, I'm out of here. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm into this. This is this is cool. And then it just kind of right back to where they started again. I was like, ugh. You could have advanced. You could have built some character. Okay, that's it. That's my note. No, it, it was, uh, that sequence was like very strange for me to read because I was like, whoa, this is like some Stephen King shit. Like, yeah. True, true. And I was very apprehensive. Like, I'm not going to have to read this, am I? Right. And so fortunately, he left. Yeah. Because there, is, like, there are... Go ahead. Oh, it's it's still a kid's book, essentially. Like, it's still... The demo is still preteen. I, I didn't think about that. Teenager. Because one of, one of my hated tropes in... Like, I hate it. Like, I won't keep reading the book. I would have kept reading this one, obviously. But is when someone articulates a scene where the main character has to engage in some sort of sexual activity, but against their will, but they, they agree to it. And it's basically, it's like the author's fantasy, like, Oh, I guess I have to, I'm like, this is, this is, or, or it's like the way out of it. It's, it's the way that they can write. So the character has an out of having to be responsible for their own desires. Yes. Like, yes. Like, um, I think you can't just write that it was straight up rape and you can't write it that it was super willing fucking. You have right. to make it some weird best of both worlds thing that just makes me confused about your point. I think it was the Legend of the Secret books that did that where like halfway through the book, it suddenly just became all S&M sexy magic shit. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And then you're like, I don't want to, but I must do it. So I will. I'm like, what is this crap? Is that what S&M stands for? Sexy magic? It all makes sense <laughs> yeah, now. totally. No, it's sex and magic. Yeah, I'm gonna start telling people about that. Yep. I'm gonna start using that whenever I reference uh, kinky stuff. Like, yeah, that's some like sexy magic S and <laughs> Like some BDSM, like some boars and dragons and sexy magic. <laughs> <laughs> Balrogs. Balrogs, dragons, and sexy magic. <laughs> that's it. Um. Well, that brings us to part four, Guinevere. Um, <gasps> That's not how it goes. I say that brings us to part four, Gunweaver. Mm. Shall I just read it since it's so short? Yeah. No, well, I mean, what? Sure. Uh, no, I don't want to hear you butcher that cat's name. Um, no, no, no. I meant I meant, I meant, meant the whole passage, the poem. Yeah, but the, the name's going to be in there. And I just, no, it's I not. I want to hear that as few little times as possible. Oh, like it, 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 it just, it just, it just sounds bad when you say it. What eyes are these that see the pain I know in my innermost soul? What eyes are these that see the twisted strides of my kindred lead on in the wake of toys unbridled, arrow, bolt, and sword tip? Yours, I, yours, straight run and muscled spring, soft on padded paws, sheathed claws, weapons rested for their need, stained not by frivolous blood or murderous deceit. Face to face, my mirror, reflection in a steel pool by light. Would that I might keep that image upon this face mine own. Would that I might keep that heart within my breast untainted. Hold tight to the proud honor of your spirit, mighty Guinevere. And hold tight to my side, my dearest friend. I did that for you. So my summary here... I'm glad you read that. Because my summary for this part just just says... I guess this is a poem Dritz wrote about his cat. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because I really what a, liked it. I what really a liked weirdo. This part. I really like this part. Really? Yeah. I read this and I was like, 
ugh. This is like something I'd expect to find on like Tumblr or like. Some... It doesn't have to be good though. It shows a bit of character from him. Even like, even if it's really shitty poetry, it's showing that he's feeling something that much, and I dug it. I will allow that. Because <laughs> um, I... I also my only other note is: is he going to bang the panther? <laughs> I mean, I have a really strong relationship with my dog. Sure, but I wouldn't write this weird shit about my dog. Well, I mean, again, I feel like theirs is a romantic relationship. If that's what's if that's what's coming, then I am incredibly surprised at these books' success. Well, I mean, um, obviously, it's going to have to be some sort of were panther where there's a whole you know last unicorn subplot where it becomes humanoid. Yeah, I don't think so. But you know, until you, you keep the furry aspect, so it can have the ears and the tail. I don't think so. I don't think that's where this is going. If, I, if I'm playing the straight man, I don't think that's where this is going. Well, I've been right about everything else so far. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it, I still I, if, I know this is like a stupid thing to keep talking about, but it just felt it was that was it was weird for me because I was just like, I don't know what the point of this is. <laughs> like, like <laughs> it unless I mean, OK, I feel like clearly the way you reacted when there was hints of Gunweaver being introduced uh, shows that in the first book, which is the fourth book, they probably have a very close relationship. And so this is that, you know, that prequel fodder. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, meet Anakin Skywalker. Yes. I think you're entirely right. I think that probably in in the Crystal Shard, they're inseparable, is my guess. mm -hmm, They mm -hmm. are a force to be reckoned with that just annihilate everything that they come across and a bonded they are pair. Amazing. Yeah. And, and moving and we have through to, twilight step by step in unison. We have to, we have to figure it out. We have to watch it happen yeah. in order for it to make, in order to justify it. You know, Bobby has to earn it for us. I guess still weird. Well, at, at this point in the show, I'm going to, I'm going to open up my, my potion. Oh, cause I'm, I'm a little, I'm feeling fatigued. So I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink a potion. If I can open it, you know, I think they make these hard to open. The mage at work. I think they make these hard to open so that you don't spill them in your, in your tunic. Oh, that stinks. Yeah. Oh. Is it is that alcoholic? Yes. Is it is it one of oh, those like God. four loco things where it's like some sort of energy drink and alcohol? This I is, genuinely this is, for the people at home. This is one of those like dollar ninety nine little cauldron, those little Christmas ornaments of 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 concoction with a pop top. Yeah, I don't. Oh, it said shake well too. Uh-oh. I didn't do well, that. Yeah. No. Well, uh. It says drink responsibly, and I don't think that's about to happen. Um, <laughs> oh, it oh. smells horrific! Like I, I am actually really bothered by this. What is it I called? I thought it would forbidden apple. I, I, Pre- you're on your own, man. Premium vodka with apple and lemon juices, natural flavors, and artificial color. It's, it says it's a cocktail. So to me, that that means it's it's mixed. 
Like, this right. is a mixed drink. This isn't just vodka and syrup. I mean, vodka and syrup would be a mix. Fuck. All right. <laughs> oh, wait. His face no, went awful. from super sad <laughs> to maybe happy to... to back to it's awful. Pound it. No. Oh. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I have... I have restored all my hit points. Uh, drinking the rest would be a waste. <laughs> well, Ugh. Back yeah. to the, back to the nourishing elixir of diet Pepsi. Do, 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 do. Oh fuck, that's good. Now my hit points are back. Okay. <laughs> In comparison, I don't know why. Why do I not like alcohol? I don't get it. Why do people I, like it? I mean. That was a pretty crappy alcohol to. It's to, poison. To in in the alcohol's defense, yeah. it is it is a green fucking apple like Snow White yeah. style. Like it, yeah, it, it's basically telling me this is poison. Yeah, and I bought the one that was the most poison looking. You, like they you, had you, you pop the top and like the little green skull and crossbones came out. Dude, when I popped the top. It smelled like, how do I describe what that smell was like? It was like this chemical. Like apple flavored pine salt. Dude, that doesn't taste like apple at all. Like it's, it's like, it doesn't even taste like pine salt. It's like, it, it feels like if I took a, like one of those, uh, like a Listerine strip, but it didn't taste like mint. It wasn't refreshing like a mint flavor. It was like old apple flavor like trash can apple like like cartoon apple core is the flavor and you just take that as a strip and you put it on your tongue and it dissolves and then it's stuck on your tongue it just does like embedded in your in your flavor nodules i'm glad you didn't finish it because i feel like that would lead to nothing but a headache oh it wouldn't just be a headache my no my hole would ache i'm sorry about w-h-o-l-e too late Mm. you weren't quick enough I think I was. It's probably the same time. Yeah. No. Okay, I regret that. Um, <laughs> not the, not the whole thing. Just the whole thing. Oh yeah. Ugh. 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 <laughs> oh, he's got the, he's got the repeating vodka apple burps. The rapple burps. Not, it's not always like this, is it? I mean, I feel like I've had no. alcohol I've liked. You have to have. You have to get the good stuff. That's why the good stuff costs more. And also, you don't okay. need to drink alcohol. You can just drink your Diet Pepsi and be happy. I know, but I it was cute, and I felt like it was themed to the show. Sure, I was trying to be festive. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what the the drow would drink. I'm sure that our listeners love this because they can see <laughs> my reactions and my faces and all the business I'm doing. That brings us to Chapter Seventeen: Homecoming. It's the name of the book. Yeah, I thought it was Homeland. I was thinking about the Spider-Man movie. So was I when I, you know, wrote this chapter title, but <sighs> this is where I have my notes about the false starts are. Oh, you're going to tell me a summary, though. Here comes a summary. Drizzed or Drizzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz
Drizzt is assigned to the drow patrols that traverse the boundaries of Menzo Berenzan, searching to slay monsters who get too close to the city limits. This chapter builds the relationship between Drizzt and Guinevere, much to Massage's dissatisfaction. Fall starts. Almost murdered, baby. Don't want to go to the academy. Literally spitting at the idea of a goddess. Any one of these could have got him out of there by now. And uh, still not. Yeah, it's a lot of stir in the pot and not a lot of anything else. Yeah. I mean, I, if I'm if I'll be a little bit more fair, I think he's trying to justify the events that will come later. I think sure. that he... And I, he I, I think he's in a situation where he built two two arcs. There's two there's two arcs in this story. There's the arc about Drizzt becoming the person he is and then leaving eventually, and then there's the mm-hmm. arc of uh, his family. What happens to them? Do you think this is a a Hobbit film situation where the backstory should have been one or possibly two books, and he expanded it to a trilogy because they sell? Oh, um, without having read the two, I won't, the other two I won't know. You have any other notes? <laughs> uh, excuse me. Now the who drank other... the poison? Uh, I did. The only other note I have is uh, I can't remember. Is there a time limit or a recharge time for Gunweaver? How how does that like like? Well, I thought there was something I couldn't find it. I thought Massage said something about uh, once he's used the cat, it has to like wait a while to recharge or it can only be in cat form for a while or some, I feel like there's some rule. I don't remember what it is. Do you remember? Um, Ooh, a player's manual. G U E N. All right. Well, at least, and, and this is the, I don't know how this works for the, uh, game versus the book and when the book was written and etc. Well, according to Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> a figurine of wondrous power was a small magical statuette ranging in size from that of a grown man's hand to the size of a little finger and smaller in shape to the extra planar creature that it turns into. These rare items transformed to many types of bestial planar creatures that understood common the language, a language spoken in Dungeons and Dragons and followed the orders of the wielder of the statuette. These creatures were called by the name given to the creature upon the item's creation. They couldn't uh, reside on the prime material plane for large amounts of time and therefore were bound by the figurines to return to their home planes to rest after a set amount of time on the prime. If the creature was slain while on this plane, it would revert back to statuette form and live on. But if the statuette was destroyed... The item became worthless and lost all enchantment. Depending on the strength of the enchantment, this artifact's effects would be permanent unless passed through an anti-magic field, which could disrupt the base structure of any magic item. So, there's a variety of them that are known in the in the world of Dungeons and & Dragons, and all of them have a amount of time that they can do, that they can work, and a recharge time. So, for example... Uh, the Jasper fighter, uh, spider figurine transforms into a giant spider for up to 12 hours. The spider can be ridden uh, by human-sized creatures. Uh, there's a marble elephant that can transform into an elephant four times a month for 24 hours per use. 
Um, there's the Onyx dog, which you can turn into a riding dog once per week for six hours. Um, the Silver Raven transforms into a raven for 24 hours per week, etc., etc., etc. There's many more. None of these, though, are listed are Panther, except down at the bottom, there's a special section in this in this Wikipedia entry for Guinevere. Guinevere. Guinevere, Guinevere was a unique figure of wondrous power in that the statuette summoned its creature rather than transformed into it. This could be due to the strange circumstances of its creation and the uniqueness of the beast, a hmm. particularly intelligent and powerful panther. She could be summoned by calling her name uh, to the black onyx figure, In, for up to 12 hours of every 48-hour period, although it was possible for her to be summoned for longer than that or before the 48-hour period began. It was very draining and probably unwise to do so. It's probably a spoiler for eventually... Well, Guinevere, and it sounds like it might be a spoiler for we will learn about her creation too. Yeah, um, Guinevere also has the power to transport any creature she touched to and from her astral home as the ethereal plane. Which sounds like Lion from Steven Universe. <laughs> okay, well, that's my notes on that chapter. Hey, don't read ahead. No, I was trying to figure see if there's a. Uh, I was legitimately just trying to see if there was a pronouncer. Gotcha. Which I think is, again, one of those asshole-ish deliberate things not to include. Um, okay. So there we go. That is that. So the answer is I, be- I, I knew ahead. I knew before I started reading that nonsense and wasted all of our times that those figurines of wondrous power did have a time limit or a recharge rate or whatever. I just didn't know if they were uniform or if that one was a specific one or what. And I didn't want to say it without looking it up sure. and being sure. Um, so anyway, you, you, was that all you were, you were mentioning that uh, for some reason. And I feel like I just destroyed all. I just couldn't remember what, if there were rules, if there were, you know, gremlin style rules. And it seems like there are, there are. Yeah. Anything else in that chapter? No. Fuck it. Let's move on. Chapter 18, The Back Room. Summary. Benira seeks counsel with the Faceless Master, whom she does not know has been replaced by Alton Devere. Or at least we don't know that she knows whatever. Right. For his help in spying within the sorcery or whatever. Sorcery. I'm not going to worry about pronouncing things correctly because the author doesn't bother to. I know. But I want to worry about pronouncing them the way... I want to pronounce them because that makes me right. Since you don't care. I can be right by default. And thus have a win in my life. Alton reports this information back to his new mistress. Then, Alton and his matron meet with the top eight matrons from the drow houses of Menzo Berenzan to reveal Alton of House de Vere has survived and seeks vengeance on House de Urden for the f- uh, with the full support of House Honette. The matron council agrees to this proposal and essentially condones or approves of House Hanette's plans to uh, destroy House Jordan. That's that's it. That's what happens. Do you think I'm just I'm just wildly speculating here and I know you love that. Do you think um this is Bobby's commentary on how a society run by women is got to be nothing but just evil and snipey and backstabby 
and would run to the ground and thus shouldn't be successful? Um, I didn't make that connection. It's interesting to think of. Uh, I, I would have to say no, but only because I, I would imagine like most things in Dungeons and Dragons, these, the, the, the goddess Loth and her, her requirements, her, the, the, the lore built around her. Mm-hmm. would have existed maybe before this book. I'm I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt of that. It's sure. not it's not entirely improbable that he could have created all of that from I mean, scratch. It just occurred to me now. So I just I have to, I have to wait till he till he writes another uh female character that's not drow to see how they're represented. Yeah. Well, I don't know when that's going to happen. But uh, yeah, that's a good good thing to to look out for, I guess, because there's a lot of attention paid to women in this. Like in in one sense, the drow society is you could argue it's great because the women are in charge, but also you're right, they are evil. Um, but but all of them are even, not just the women. And I I uh, it seems like I don't know, I don't know, man. But uh, that's interesting. One of my only notes is this. Uh, you call her Vierna, is that right, Vierna? Yeah, whatever. Verna and Alton uh, scene where she's talking to him, thinking he's the faceless master and how they used him uh, to. She, she thinks she's talking to the faceless one about killing Alton. She's actually talking to Alton. I'm like, that was a classic bit of, uh, you know, double backstabbing plots mm-hmm. worthy of like I Claudius. I, I, I did enjoy that part. That's cool. Um, I was a little rolled my eyes a little bit when someone insisted I think it, I think it was when they. I think Alton maybe referred to malice and was corrected like matron malice and like uh, like Professor Snape. Okay, whatever. Right. Um, and is this where is this the chapter where the uh, the facial potion comes back into play where they're like we delivered this to you thirty years ago. It must not have worked. Right, and he was just like, I wasn't gonna put this on my face, so. That's cool. They did come back. I was, yeah, I was. I was yeah, I, I missed that in the first chapter of the book. I'm glad you brought it up because now this this would have not made sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that that's about all I've got for this for this chapter. Well, then that brings us to chapter 19, Promises of Glory. All right. Ugh, this is a bunch of intrigue about Dritz Drow Patrol going to the surface to conduct a raid on a surf on the surface elves. Massage isn't going, and neither is Guinevere. That's it. <laughs> My first note is, woohoo, they got out. Yes, but that's, okay, that's not what I thought we were talking about. When we were talking I'm about not saying woohoo in the sense of our bet. I'm saying okay. woohoo and fuck, finally they got out. <laughs> just somewhere else. Just any sort of pressure relief. Any sort of just out of, out of Manzo Banzo. Oh, <laughs> Manzo so Banjo, the hottest new instrument to hit the Underdark. <laughs> Uh, I was, it's a breath of fresh air, literally. <sighs> uh, I don't have anything to say about this chapter. It was a lot, like I said, it was a lot of, it reminded me of a couple chapters ago where it was like, okay, this is all just setting up. This is telling us what's going to happen so we can be prepared for when it happens so right. that it can happen so we can move on past it. Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah. All right. Yeah. That's all it is. That's all I got. Then let's move, move on to chapter 20, that foreign world. The time has come to raid an elvish tribe on the surface. Drizzt, 
is so horrified by the slaughter that he cannot bring himself to slay his helpless woodland cousins. He pretends to slaughter a wee young elf girl, but actually spares her life before the battle is over. Then, the drow priestess makes the soldiers witness the sunrise, and in yet another demonstration that Dritz doesn't fit into drow society, he relishes in it. And then Dritz, Dritz sees the sunrise and he's like, uh, look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? I actually at some point thought about making that, that comparison that not, not, not so exactly, but that this is another one of those. There's got to be something better world out there where Dritz, Ariel, uh, Jim Hawkins from the Muppet Treasure Island. Something better. There's got to be something better than this for me. Moments. If it's weird and wild, let's go and find it. <laughs> What's a star and why does it burn? <laughs> When's it my turn? Wouldn't I love, love to destroy the elves up above? All that said, I kind of enjoyed this chapter. It was nice that yep. they were out. It was. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was. It was. It was a serviceable raid. It was a serviceable bit of character building that I've been asking for, where he saved the little girl. It was also pretty violent, like in a way that I didn't expect to be bothered by. Where I and I was like the the idea that again, kind of lending to sort of what you were talking about a little bit. I don't want to get too woke on it or something like that, but. There's definitely an emphasis to killing women in this that felt a little edgelordy, but at the same time, it's hard for me to balance that with the fact that clearly in the drow society, women have, like, station. They have a higher station. Sure. So, so in, in theory, they're, because they're oh. valued more, killing more elf females would be better. You're saying, like, later reputation. when they came back and, and reported it? That they were they made an they made a a meal out of saying it was women they killed. Two two things. F- first is that the the two kills we really see are a mother and then a pretend kill on her daughter. Right. So those are two women or two females. Sure. And then later and then later, yes, there is that moment where Dinan announces proudly that he he made five kills himself. All of them were women. Okay. And he, he says that very specifically. Sure, sure. Uh, and so, like, I, I, I have... It's hard for me to read that and not think, man, violence against women sure isn't cool <laughs> or fun to Absolutely. read about. Absolutely um, agree. Hard agree. But, but there's another part of me that's like... But this... I don't want to try to... Again, I don't want to... This is the story. Sure. <laughs> and, no, and, and, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, okay, so I didn't I didn't make that connection at all. I thought uh, they killed the mother in, in, in a narrator's omniscience kind of way as a way to bring the girl in because she's going to run to mom and he could protect her. And so I thought that was all that was. And then later they made such a deal about killing women because in their society, women are the ultimate warrior. So they they just assume killing a woman's going to be harder and therefore um, of more note. More prestigious. That, that's all I, yeah, more prestigious, but it is something I will look to going forward. 
Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, uh, look, but but I mean, I'll be aware of it, and just to just to be like, hmm, each time we'll see. I mean, we'll I, see I wasn't trying to suggest that he he is actually make like having some sort of weird fantasy or anything like that. It's sure. just like, uh, especially with that comment you made about like, is, do you think this is his like perception about like what a world run by women would be like? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really think that's what's happening. Again, I, I I've mentioned this before, but I have this I have this suspicion it's more just like we've been we've been trained by recent society to be hyper sensitive to those topics and subjects and seek them out. It's that whole it's that I, I mentioned this before. It's that whole pedophile thing. Like mm-hmm. we've been we've been trained to think about child molesting so much that we're always think to to be aware of it to be to be on the defensive for it that now we're all thinking it's about our, child first molesting as like is one of the first things that could happen to someone and that kind of is disgusting and awful not in a again not in a protection sense not in a way, way to keep yourself safe sense but in a if you just object, step and take a step back and go wow this is a society full of people who are constantly thinking about people is this a possibility abusing children yeah well, but not not just is a possibility but they're actively thinking about protecting themselves from this threat which means yes. they're thinking about the threat constantly which sounds awful yes it is um, so i feel like it's the same i'm i don't I, i'm sensitive to it being the same sort of thing of of potentially tr- looking at this book with a sensitivity towards sexism because they don't want it to be a thing like we've been trained to look for sexism so we see it everywhere but that doesn't mean it does it also doesn't mean it's not there right so yeah it's a it's an interesting thing, but th- it, it it it's hard when again, like all of these, the, all of the kills that are discussed, all female, and I think all of the raiders are male. So it's really hard not to notice like that. Yeah, because I think the only the only woman with them is the cleric who because women have such a, have such a higher station that they are they are uh wizards or clerics or whatever they get those higher uh, stations of magic using and i think they are better warriors but they're also the men are more expendable so that's why they were sent yes yeah okay right which again in like an evolutionary sense makes a lot of sense because biologically uh sperm is cheap and eggs are extremely valuable like there's so if you're talking about trying to keep a small society going uh, it's a lot easier to, ex- and this is goes for fucking way back when too, like, you know, uh, when, when humans were hunting and gathering, it's, it's, I've got to imagine, maybe not with this, these specific kind of terminology, but the idea of like, you are more va- valuable. The thing that you, that could happen to you, if you died, we're all at way worse off than right. if a guy dies. Right. It's just interesting because it's a little more like a beehive or an ant colony as opposed to spiders. Yeah, it is. Spiders are very uh, solo. Anyway, uh, I, I found this chapter like uh, brutal, mm-hmm. and uh, especially the part where like Drizzt rubs the dead mother's blood all over the kid to make it look like he killed her. And I was like, God, that's again a little edge lordy, a little like try hard. Like I want to be so badass and hardcore. I want to really shock my teenage readers. Probably successful. It shocked me to a sense, but like only yeah. because up to this point, everything had been very, you know, Highlander esque without the, you know, decapitation and the blowjobs. Um, but uh, Blow you're jobs. sick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
good pull. Didn't I, I? I don't remember that scene unless you specifically bring it up that way. That's one of the most memorable things in that movie to me is because it just it's so jarring when you're like, what did he say? (laughs) Why would he say that? (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. uh, (laughs) I don't have anything else to say about this chapter, uh, except that, again, in terms of describing the narrative as a whole, this is a, a this is like, I think, the big moment where Drift is like, I'm out. I am out. I don't belong down there. I belong up here. I'm going to sell my voice for some legs and I'm going to get the fuck out. Do you still think the, he, he will, he, the, he, he'll be underground at the end of the book. Properly, properly under, I mean, I I mean like this, this, like we said, this doesn't count. I don't think think he's going to, I don't think he's going to still be, I, I, I would suspect that he's probably going to have to eject himself from society in the mm-hmm. underdark, but I think he's going to stay underground. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I think he's going to like, because think about it. Like he does, uh, he would have to have someone else help him get out. If he goes out the way they got out for this adventure. Sure. For this raid, there would have to be a, a magic user, help him get out. And I don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to have anybody in his, unless, unless he takes that. that magic wiffle ball and uses it himself. I guess uh, it's possible. My suspicion is that he's going to stay underground, but okay. I don't, I don't really know. It's my understanding that by the time we get to the crystal shard, we're having a proper above ground D and D adventure that he is a yes. part of. Okay. Yes. Uh, I, my, my expectation though, that is, that is, that is, that sort of begins in the third book. That's my guess, but I don't know. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm hoping uh, for uh he has to go, like by the second book, he has to be out and in uh, acclimating with you know above ground elf society and humans and halflings and all of them, and trying and like learning the ways of it and having to deal with the prejudice of being a dark elf and all that. And it seems like there's you know some meat food, a to wealth of read opportunity. About there. Yeah, wealth of opportunities. Well, we'll see. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, are you done with that chapter? Done with it. Let's move on. That brings us to the last chapter, right? Of our chapter our twenty-one. May it please the goddess. Which I just wrote Su- a little shrug summary. emoji for. Summary. Summary. Okay. Hey, fine. You want to do your summary? Want to do same old, same old. Summary. Ugh. More rising action. Drizzt returns home and reports the success of the raiding party to his family. He plans to spar with Zach, where he and Zach both plan to murder each other. We also get an interlude where Massage is, is commanded to kill Dritz and Dinin. That's where we end this episode. I have one note. Okay. Do you, do you have no notes? I just I just have a little shrug emoji, and then it turned out we had more to bitch. talk about. We had more to talk about, which was uh, we've already talked about, which is the reporting on the attack. So what is your note? My note is... I don't like Dritz's inconsistent perspective on the drow. Sometimes he hates his culture and, and seemingly everyone in it. Like he couldn't kill. He couldn't bring himself to kill any of the surface elves, but was almost super eager to kill the drow warrior that tried to steal his kill. Oh, or, no, I don't like, think he was. He, he alleges tried to steal his kill. Yeah, I think he was playing into it because because it was clear he, he was, wasn't selling. Think he was actually eager to do it. No, I well, not. I think he was. I think he was seeing an opportunity because Matron Malice was like, "You only killed one person. Sure, it was a girl child, but that's it." 
And he was like, no, I'm all hardcore. And it was stolen from me. And I'm raw. And then it totally mollified Matron Malice. I think that he, um, I don't, that's not how I read it. Okay. I read the, the moment where he tries to, he, 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 when he attacks the, uh, his, his drow warrior, uh, friend, it's written like he does it faster than he's aware that he does it. Mm-hmm. And then is sort of like, it's unconscious. He's just suddenly across the, the, the length of the space between them and he's stabbed the guy. And then it's like, oh shit, I just did that. And then he feigns like he's a badass. But I think that urge was like, it's, it's interesting to note that that urge was unconscious for him when he couldn't consciously hurt surface elves. So that's what I'm saying. Like he, there's this inconsistency there where it's like, he's super okay with hurting drow. But then at the same time, like doesn't, this is, this is where the importance comes from. Okay. He's okay with hurting drow. He like, kind of has fantasies about it. He kind of is compelled to do it. Can't hurt innocence because I think he sees Drow as not innocent or Drow is right. not innocent. But why is it so, why is it then so difficult for him to relate to Zach where he knows Zach feels the same way? I don't and, know. And if part of, go, part of his, correct. like his consideration is like that Zach is a bad guy because Zach delights in killing Drow. He's constantly thinking about this in this chapter, that that's what he villainizes Zack for, is Zack's pleasure or enjoyment in killing other drow. And it's Not, like he doesn't understand it. No, I don't think so. I think that's part of it. Um, but he also, remember, he's been told that Zack was part of that raiding party that killed the children and all that. And that, and he assumes, because Zack likes killing drow, that Zack loved doing all of that. Oh, and and had a hand in the taking down House Devere, and so he just thinks Zach is, you know, a, a super lapdog to Matron Malice, not knowing Zach feels pretty much the same way he does. They both don't know each other. It's this whole yeah, Romeo yeah, Juliet. I, thing. Yeah, I think you must be right, but it seems like so. Not that not that you're wrong. I just I I hate that Zach never explained that to Drids. Like, I don't understand why that conversation never happened. It seemed like there, I mean, for as much as Zach is like pining to protect Riz and keep him sacred and safe, there's this huge wealth of like, just fucking tell him, dude, just talk to him a little bit more, be more direct. Well, I think it, it never came up because he was probably ashamed of it. And by the time Dritz knew about it, he was already at the Academy and, you know, no longer with Zach and under his tutelage. Makes sense. I could accept that. Yeah, but that's something that bums me out about it. I just don't, I don't, like, it's like, okay, so I have this expectation now that Drizzt is going to, Drizzt is going to kill Zack because we know Drizzt doesn't die and right. I have a feeling they're going to spar and I have a feeling I know how that sparring's going to end and that seems really lame to have that forecasted so far in advance. I mean, but that's all that I have. Advance? It feels like it's going to be the next chapter. I think it's going to be two chapters from now at least. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's and, and, I, and I think what I mean is like, it's when I say that far in advance is it's like, uh, I don't know. We just got to know Zach and now he's supposed to be sacrificed to this sort of like uh threshold that Drizzt has to cross. Sure. And it just feels like, it feels very much like Obi-Wan Kenobi in the, in star Wars episode four. Like, but what if Luke had to kill Obi-Wan? Whoa. Right. Or, or, or what if Luke had to watch Obi-Wan die? Wouldn't that be scary? Wouldn't that upset his balance of like 
feeling secure in this new world that he has to be in alone. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, it just still feels like Zach's an interesting character. I guess I don't, and, and I don't find Driz to be interesting right now. Mm-hmm. So like, or as interesting. So like, I would much rather Zach not die. Sure. That's all I got. All right. New word alert. Dirk? Dirk. I believe that's a small little dagger. Often associated uh, with like Scottish Highlanders. Yep. Kept kept in their kilt or their boot or what have you. But yeah, it's a little... little it's, it's the equivalent of a boot knife, but not necessarily kept in the boot. Or we would call it trunk. <laughs> Wow, that took so long. That took so long. It was Neolithic. (laughs) I'm embarrassed by that. Shit. All right, you ready? Yep. Brazier. Brazier. Those, I think, are like the little... Sometimes they're for warmth, sometimes they're for light, but they're like a little container of fire often held by like wrought iron work congratulations you got it all right um also potentially a uh a, a noun describing someone who works with brass oh cool i didn't know that uh, all right here we go wheel wheel like w-h-e-a-l no like oh. w-e-a-l oh okay but still isn't that like a raised mark from like getting hit with a lash or something that's the second definition, like a welt. Yeah. There is another definition. Okay. What's that? A sound, a sound, healthy, or prosperous state. Well-being. Oh. Man, I didn't know that one at all. It's funny because those are almost of opposites. Right. Because if I got welts, then I'm not having a good wheel. <laughs> and finally... Coquette. Coquette? Coquette. I'm going to guess that that's the root word for coquettish, and it means sort of like a, a cute, flirty young lady. Yep. Okay. A woman who endeavors without sincere affection to gain the attention or admiration of men. I like my version better. <laughs> um, yeah. Nice crop of new words. Yeah. Um, well, uh, our next episode will be the end. We will finish Homeland. So we will go through cha- uh, chapter 22 to the end of the book, um, which for me, there's no extra at the end of the book. It's just... I don't think... Yeah, I don't think I... And if I have any one of those, you know, like, read the exciting new chapter to the sequel to Homeland, I'm not going to read it. Right. All right. Well, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? I don't. Neither do I. Um... I think I think I'm still confident with you what know, we talked about earlier, but I think it's a good thing to say at the end of the episode. I don't think... Dritzt is really leaving the underdark, the underdark at the end of this book. Um, so we'll He's find out the answer to that. You think you do think though he will be leaving uh, Menzo Manzo Banzo society. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think so. Do you think he'll be leaving the city itself, or will he be skulking around like some sort of Batman? I think he's gonna leave, but. Okay. He could, I don't know, he could stick around, but I think he's out. I think he's he's, he's out to explore other regions of the Underdark that we have not yet seen. Right. Okay, okay. 
All right. Well, I believe that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thank you for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. <sighs> so yawny. Boy, maybe you're live at the Acropolis. I mean, I understand it. That joke has never, ever worked, and it's never, ever stopped me from doing it. Those sound like the signs of a bad performer. (laughs) (laughs) No one has ever wanted this act. No one has ever enjoyed this act. And yet... I persisted and performed this act. (laughs) (laughs) I'm both ahead of and behind my time. (laughs) You're a, yep, you're a timey-wimely performer. I'm so ready. We're not counting in anymore, right? You're like, you're done with that? That's done with? I'm vibrating with readiness. But we're, we're not. Yes, yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You didn't mm-hmm. deserve that. Mm-mm. That was rude. I didn't. I feel like Bruce Banner in the Avengers first first Avengers movie. In the Avengers, the first Avengers movie. <laughs> the Avengers first Avengers movie. It's my favorite of, of the Avengers movie. It's 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 not only my favorite. <laughs> it's got the best subtitle. <laughs> Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 102 of Death Readers, the podcast where... <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I, I know. That out. No, I know different... what you could do, but it interrupted me. It interrupted me. I'm not a machine, Rob. Can't just flick a switch and I just read the open or perform it ad lib. Really? Because that's what I thought a performer did. No. There's... Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> not, I, I mean, am I, I mean, it's not like, it's not like performers are just born doing the thing they do perfectly. They have to practice. They have mm-hmm. to rehearse. We didn't. You've had 102 episodes to practice. But only two in which I've written it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I am sorry. <laughs> Crunchy, creamy, candy, candy. Um, okay. Crunchy, creamy, candy. No! I couldn't remember the last part of the thing. It's it's that's I was trying to remember Rango's vocal warm up. I think he says crunchy, creamy, candy crumbles, but I can't ah. remember exactly what it is. Um, okay, you said something awful though, and it's staying in. Um, It'll be bleeped. Don't worry. <laughs> we're we're British. It counts. <laughs> we're not. So I've got. Are we back? Yep. That's all I've got. Yep. That's all I got. I didn't hear it. <laughs> no, I'm saying that's all I've got. That's okay. That, I, just kept, okay. I kept repeating that until you heard it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Um, say it one more time so we can put it actually in the recording. That's all I got. I'm Rob. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Or thank you. Thanks. What do I say? Thank you. You say th- You say thank you. Thank you. Okay. So good.